This episode of the Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $50 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big, win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Sleeper. You already play fantasy on Sleeper, but now you can win cold, hard cash with their over-under game. Just head to sleeper.com slash SGP on your phone or join the SGPN group and Sleeper automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's sleeper.com slash SGP. And make sure to download the SGPN app, your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. And welcome to episode three of the Tennis Gambling Podcast here with the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Thursday morning, early Thursday morning. July 7th, and we're going to go through Wimbledon, the semifinals for both men's and women's this time around. I'm joined by my co-host, Sam Jacob. I am Scott Rochelle, your host. And overall, pretty entertaining last couple of days in Wimbledon. Bunch of five-set thrillers. Sam, any match jump off the page to you as your favorite one in the last week? Uh, probably the Nadal Fritz one that we just saw. Uh, that it went to a tiebreaker last set, five sets. It goes to a tiebreaker. It's nail biter. Definitely was. I feel like a sleeper option was either the Gofen Tiafo match or the Gofen Nori match, which both of them I thought were very good. And Gofen, of course, beat Tiafo to make the quarter seven five in the fifth and then lost in the quarters 7-5 in the fifth to Nori, which is why we have Djokovic against Nori in the semis, and you have Kyrgios against Nadal. Uh, they're two completely different matches to break down for different reasons. But before we do that, we're going to quickly just recap what we had with regard to futures and what we had last week or the last podcast we had. Uh, to go quickly, the picks themselves did not go too well in the lock and dog segment. Uh, we liked Alcaraz against Sinner. Did not work out. And then I really went all out on a bit of a bold call there with Nakashima to get the job done against Kyrgios. Plus 260. So damn close, man. So damn close. Fifth set loss there. Kyrgios had the shoulder issues. Nakashima gave him a run for his money. He just didn't have it. And Sam, do you want to break down anything that you had? Because I feel like you were, were high on Tommy Paul and he looked like the Tommy Paul vault. Yeah, I, I like Tommy Paul with the value at the plus 400, but yeah, he did, he did not do so well against uh, Nori, lost in three sets. But uh, the value, I actually believe, was still there at the time. But right now, it's all riding on Djokovic still, with Djokovic making the final that I still have uh, for futures. Other than that, though, Tommy Paul didn't do so well. Yeah, I had a lot of futures, which I can go through some recaps of. I know both of us have Djokovic to win the whole thing at minus 115, which is obviously still alive. I know we both liked Berrettini. That got voided because, of course, he had COVID and did not play. So bets were voided there. Uh, Besides that, I had Djokovic to win the quarter. I went heavy on that for a couple thousand, and that ended up winning at minus 300. Wasn't easy. Uh, Five-setter against Sinner came back from 2-0 down. Not really much drama involved, though, because Djokovic killed him in the final three sets. But I cashed that. I ended up cashing Nori to win the quarter at plus 800, which was a nice win there. And then I had a really bad beat yesterday because I had Fritz to win the quarter at 12 to 1. He's up two sets to one against an injured Nadal, and he loses 7-6 in the final set. So that 12 to 1 would have been very nice, but the Nori 8 to 1 was also nice. Djokovic winning the quarter helped out. 
So overall, my futures are okay. Still hanging in there for Djokovic to win the whole thing, and we'll see how that goes. But before we get into the actual breakdowns for the semifinals, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor. Make sure to get down on the wins bet $50 to win $200 promotion, where a $50 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. Bet $500 on sports or casino before July 31st, and you get entered for a shot to win the ultimate fantasy football draft experience at Encore Beach Club, including a two-night stay at Wynn Resorts for you and your entire league. Plus, you have a chance to party with DJ Diesel. If you bet $100 on NBA or casino, you are entered into a prize drawing to attend a DJ Diesel, who is Shaq, of course, performance at Encore Beach Club at night, as well as a meet and greet with DJ Diesel this summer. Plus, if you also bet $100 from Thursday to Sunday on the U.S. Open, you will earn an entry into a prize drawing where the winner and a guest will receive a complimentary round of golf at Wynn Golf Club and a two-night stay at Wynn Las Vegas. There's so much to choose from, and all you have to do is download the WinBet app or visit wynnbet.com to get started. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Now on to Sleeper. Sleeper is the fastest growing fantasy platform today with millions of players. You probably already have a fantasy league on there. I personally use it for mine. It's a game-changing product unlike anything else in the industry. And now there's a new way to make money on there with their new over-under game. It's very simple. First in any sport, pick two or more players that you like and pick the over-under for example, the number of points in a basketball game or the hits in a baseball game. Then choose the amount of money you want to enter into the contest. If you pick correctly, you can win anywhere from two times to over 20 times the money that you put in. The main reason why I'm excited about the over-under contest is because of the fact that it's the only app where you can join your buddies' contests and play together. It's got a built-in group chat where I can see and copy my friend's picks with the tap of a button. It's insanely fun to ride it out together. Stop what you're doing and download Sleeper now to play their new over-under game. On your mobile phone, join our listener group on Sleeper at sleeper.com SGP, and Sleeper will automatically match your first deposit up to $100. That's right, join our squad and get the 100% deposit match at sleeper.com slash SGP. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Now, we just recapped how our bets did last time out and some of the futures we had before the tournament started. But we are going to do something that we have not done in the first two episodes of the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We're going to break down the women's side. And, of course, you have two semifinal matchups coming up uh, later on Thursday morning, you have the Jabor-Maria match taking place at around 8.30 a.m. Eastern Time. And then you have Halep taking on Rybakina in that one at around 10 a.m. We'll see when the Jabor match ends, of course, because I'm sure they're going to time that accordingly. Uh, Pretty big favorites in this one. Jabor, the big favorite, the biggest favorite on the board uh, at minus 800. Maria, very nice story. She was 200 to 1 to win Wimbledon before the tournament started. Now she's two wins away from accomplishing that feat. She's plus 550. Jabor was, I'd say, the favorite to win the tournament once you ended up having Swiatek lose in one of the earlier rounds. She's minus 800. Uh, You're looking at the actual spreads. You're looking at the totals, and everything points to pure domination by Jabor. Sam, I'll start with you. Do you think Maria has anything in the tank here, or do you think Jabor just dominates? 
Uh, I think there's a clear discrepancy in the quality of players here. I mean, you have the second player in the world right now versus the 103rd player in the world. Uh, good for Maria to get here, but when it comes down to it, it's not going to be so pretty. Yeah, the way that I saw it, of course, Jabor ended up having a bit of trouble in her last match against Buskova. She lost the first set there and then absolutely dominated from there, dropped two games in the final two sets combined. Uh, so 6-1, 6-1. It's the only set she's dropped up to this point. She's looked dominant, very comfortable on the grass. She's also not afraid to throw in a lot of slices and a lot of drop shots, which might cause Maria a bit of discomfort by forcing her to move forward. Maria's had a much tougher go of Wimbledon so far. So far in the tournament, of course, she has won five matches. The problem is she's gone to three sets in four of those five. So you have to wonder about fatigue, on top of that, those fifth sets have been pretty. Uh, those third uh, third sets, I should say, have been pretty lengthy. Uh, she had a six four in the first round, and then three separate seven fives in the final set. Is fatigue a serious problem for Maria? Because most most of the time, when you have a Cinderella story, it's going to be somebody younger. But Maria is already up there in years, having the best tournament of her life. But she's still thirty four years old, and with all the three set matches that she's had. Is there a bit of concern that she's going to run out of gas? Age is only but a number, Scott. I mean, he, she has done it in the past two matches where she's come back from being down a set. She's reached deep in there in the tank and was able to finish the match. I don't think that fatigue is going to be such a factor as much as the mental game. Once Shabur, if Shabur starts getting going and starts dominating Maria, I think that it's going to be a, a shutdown mentally, uh, and that could caused Jabour to absolutely dominate Maria here. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Maria, you know, she did well at the beginning and then and then at the end Jabour just takes over. But I think it's more of a mental game compared to the physical game because she's able to come back from being down a set in each of her two last matches. The only match that she didn't get, uh, she didn't go three sets was against Sakari, which is yeah. an interesting one because Sakari was a huge favorite in that match. So that is something interesting to point out there. Yeah, Sakari, top five, top ten player in the world. And Maria had an, I can't say an easy time with her, but an easier time compared to every other opponent she's faced. Now, I am going to ask you one thing, Sam, not just about this match, but about just overall head-to-heads when it comes to evaluating matches. I'd say how many years do you actually need before you, you just toss the head-to-heads in the garbage? Because they face each other three times, Jabor won in 2014 in three sets in the U.S. Open. Then Maria won in Linz in 2017 in straight sets. And then Jabor won in straight sets in Beijing in 2018. So we're about four years removed from the last head-to-head. Do you have a personal cutoff where you just disregard head-to-head because these players are obviously different now than they were four years ago? Uh, yeah, probably around three years that I would give it. But uh, an- another factor you got to consider is the surface, if they've ever actually played on grass before. Um, but they I would not. say, yeah, th- that's that's could be a big deal. I mean, it could be. Uh, usually when I'm considering head-to-head, is what I'm saying is it's important to consider surface when it comes down to it. Because, you know, you got someone like, for example, Nadal, if you compare him on grass to someone on, to him on clay, it's a completely different ball game. But um, I would probably say around three years. I mean, anything after that, they're a completely different player than they are now. Yeah, but that's kind of going to segue us into the actual, I'd say, props or bets for this overall match. 
it's really difficult when you have a huge favorite to find value of any kind, unless you just want to take the underdog and hope that she can keep it close. But Jabor's minus 800 on the money line. To win 2 nothing, she's minus 390. The spread in this one, Jabor 5.5 is minus 145. Minus 6.5 is plus 135. And the total's 18.5 at minus 120 on the over. Are there any bets that really jump off the page to you? Do you think Maria keeps it close, or do you just like Jabor minus 5.5? You'll lay the juice, but you expect some type of 6-2, 6-3 type of match. Yeah, what scares me most is that Jabor can take over the match and win a set six one. Yeah. So if if you're taking if you're looking at an over here, yeah, it's seven six. It's I mean seven five seven six. It's possible, but you never know if she's going to go six zero. I, I know the number is eighteen there, so that would still hit on the seven six six zero. But you get my point there. If if you have a if you have a set, just go six four. You're gonna you're you're scared here that six two can happen. It's it's not a problem. So. Uh, when it comes down to it, I'd probably just lay the minus five and a half and hope a six three six three or any type of outcome like that. That's just one break per uh, per set technically if she's serving first for the set. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, for the set. I'm really trying to figure out how Maria is supposed to, I'd say at some point, overwhelm uh, Jabor over the course of this match, or if she's just going to pray that Jabor hits the ball over the court and hits a bunch of unforced errors. But you're looking at the matches here and some of the stats. Maria's an okay server. She's not amazing by any means. Jabor's an okay server as well. But Maria had four aces and seven double faults in her last match. She only hit she she was only able to get fifty five percent of her first serves on the court, which I think is a serious red flag if you're gonna be constantly relying on your second serve against the top three player in the world. That's a really dangerous recipe, and it's usually not gonna go well. I personally think Jabor rolls here. I think she had her scares, so to speak, in the last match and then ended up waking up after the first set and dominating. I think Jabor wins probably 6-2, 6-3. I'm in, the, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't mind the under, but 18.5, you're really, really cutting it close. I don't mind uh, Jabor just to win pretty handily, take the 5.5. So that's my thoughts. If you want to take 6.5, Maybe that's okay because six three six two would cover, but once again, it's pretty pretty thin. Uh, so I'm gonna go with the five and a half. I think Jabor wins handily. And moving on to the second match, you have Halep taking on Rybakina, and Rybakina is a much higher rank uh, rank than Maria. So this match on paper should be closer, also based on the actual prices, because Halep is a pretty hefty favorite, but not minus eight hundred. She is minus 340. Uh, Bikina is plus 265 the other way. If you want to go through the total and the spread here, the total is 20 and a half. The over is about minus 130. 21 and a half is minus 105. And for overall spreads, Bikina plus four and a half games is minus 125. And Halop minus four and a half games is plus 105. Sam, we know that Halop is a lot more comfortable on grass than Bikina, and yet Bikina has... Only dropped one set in this tournament up to this point. What are your thoughts on this match? Yeah, Rybakina has only dropped one set, but how many has Halep dropped? Uh, zero. 
Zero, right? She hasn't even gone to a tie break. She just dominated every single set that she's been in. And the serving is a very good point. Uh, when you compare serving in men's and women's, it's a completely different story. Uh, you don't have these players that are serving up um, double-digit aces or anything like that. So you see a lot of more breaks happening, which can cause like a set like 6-0, six 6-1 six um, to be more apparent with women's tennis than men's tennis. So it's not, it's not comparable uh, when when you're talking that aspect, that's why something like a like I said before, six two six one six zero can happen, and it's no surprise at all compared to men's. It's absolute domination. Um, Halep hasn't dropped a set here. She hasn't she hasn't been in a tiebreaker. I, I hate to go with favorites twice, but I have to do it. Uh, you know, Rybakina struggled with uh, Tom Lenovic today, who's not not bad on grass. She she played very well recently, but. Um, yeah, I mean, Halep is a completely different beast, and I think she's she's going to take it, and I think the spread is a solid play there. Well, I am going to ask, though, since you do have some options, do you prefer Halep minus three and a half games at minus 160 or Halep 2 nothing at around minus 165? Uh, what's the regular spread? A regular spread, four and a half four is a half. plus 105. Yeah, I would just go with the four and a half. Like I said before, breaks can happen all the time. You could easily see a six-three set, um, and then you you just have a six-four or seven-five there, and you you win the spread there. Um, not even in this Wimbledon tournament has she has she hasn't dropped a set. She hasn't dropped a set uh, in the tournament beforehand, except for the first round. Um, she ended up uh, just quitting in in bad Hamburg probably just to prepare for Wimbledon. She said, yeah. you know, I don't want to get too close here to Wimbledon, you know, drain myself out. But uh, those matches were also absolute domination where she's covered the spread. And she's covered the spread in almost every single one of the matches in Wimbledon besides one against Flipkins. So I got to go. I got to go for the uh, minus four and a half there. Yeah, especially, for me, especially getting plus money. I'm actually going to push back a little bit. I think Rybakina can give help a run for her money. Now, I'm not picking her to win the match. I think Halep and Jabor are just on a collision course, and I think that's going to be the result of the match. If you want to go for a plus-price play, a pretty decent plus-price play, I don't mind Halep in three at around plus 300. They have not played on grass before, but they've played recently Halep and Rybakina, and the matches have been very close. They played in Dubai in 2020. It was one of the final matches before the COVID outbreak and Halep won a third-set tiebreak. And then they played in the U.S. Open in 2021, and Halep won that match in three. The first set, she won 7-6, 13-11 in the breaker. So that could have gone either way. So Rybakina and Halep seem to be pretty competitive whenever they actually come across each other. Now, once on again, grass. I was going to say, once again, Halep <laughs> is better on grass, which, of course, plays a factor. But Rybakina in the past has made life difficult for Halep. And I'm going to disagree a little bit that Halep's just going to roll here because Rybakina has looked pretty comfortable as well on the grass surface, not as much as Halep. But I think I'm going to go with Halep in three if you want to go for a plus price. It's an interesting spin on trying to get a minus 330 favorite at like a three to one price. I think there's worse ways to take a long shot. I don't mind Halep in three. But it yeah, seems like we actually, disagree a little bit on that. I actually like Halep uh, overall in this tournament to to win the tournament here. I, I like Halep even more than Jabour, but the fact that Jabour is playing a 103 seed yeah. here in this match is why I, I, I just going with the favorites on both sides. D does it surprise you at all, though, that Halep right now 
is the betting favorite to win Wimbledon, even though she has the significantly harder semifinal matchup? Um, I, before before this, uh, before the last round, I should say, Jabor was the favorite. But I think after seeing uh, Halep take it to Anisimova, uh, uh, Amanda Anisimova, who is a very good up-and-coming American player, um, she, uh, I think that they switched and to, to turn the tides and they're like, oh, we see what Halep is capable of. Yeah, and Jabor also the lost the set to Buskova, so people think she's a bit more vulnerable, but... I agree. I think that she is a bit more vulnerable. I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I like Halep more than Jabor even in this matchup this uh, coming Thursday. I mean, today, but um, yeah, I, I think it's pretty fair that Halep is now favored. I think that if, if you had Halep against Jabor in the final, I probably would end up picking Halep to win. Having said that, I think Jabor should be the favorite right now because based on the money line differential for the semifinals, it seems like Jabor's a shoe in to make it. And I know you're saying that Halep should win against Rybakina. She should. But based on the head-to-head, I do think Halep has a much more difficult matchup than Jabor. And I don't think that's factored in enough, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's a fair point that, um, that she has an easier matchup to go by. But, I mean, you compare the money lines, uh, it is... It's true that Jabor uh, is obviously more favored and should be able to get into the finals easier, but uh, you have a minus 750 around for Jabor and a minus 300 for Halep, which minus 300 means that they're putting it at like a 75% chance of her winning, and uh, Jabor at a uh, at around a 88% chance of winning. So, yeah, you have a little bit of difference there, but uh, I think they're just expecting Halep to play Jabor in the final, and that's what they're going by. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm just looking at the fact that based on that matchup, it does seem like the odds are a little bit confusing at this point in time. But Yeah, fair enough. It, I mean, Jabor is more likely to make the final, so I, I understand your point. Yeah, that's kind of my main point. But I, at the end of the day, I think we both agree that it's going to be Jabor Halep. I just think that Rybikini can take a set. That's kind of where we differ. I'm tr- Once again, I'm trying to take spins at a minus 340 favorite and turning it into a 3-1 to one shot. Like I, You can try to find ways to turn a huge favorite into a huge value play. I think Halep in three is one of them. But either way, uh, now we're going to transition and talk about the men's side where we also have two matches. Of course, you have the day off tomorrow. so They will be resuming on Friday. You have Djokovic. Uh, shocker. Really can't believe Djokovic is here. No, just kidding. It, it was a lot more difficult no than bad. I thought it was going to be. Sinner gave him a serious run. He was down 2 nothing. He came back and won. I know that I cashed a quarter bet on him. I know you cashed a live bet on him at plus money at the time. Plus 135. Whenever I see Djokovic down two sets or a set in a, and down a break in a three out of five match, I'm all over Djokovic every single time. doesn't matter. Yeah, it usually works out. And the only time he actually loses when he's down two nothing is probably when he's playing Nadal. On, on clay, yeah. On clay, yeah. I mean, you know Djokovic losing 3 nothing is borderline impossible, so he's going to go down fighting one way or another. Now, for this matchup, he's taking on the hometown kid. You have Djokovic against Nori. Djokovic minus 1,600. Can't say I'm surprised. Nori is plus about 750, give or take. Now, for this one, if you want to actually go through the total, uh, 30 and a half, the over is minus 120. The under is minus 105. For the actual uh, game spread, Djokovic minus 7.5 games is minus 105. Nori plus 7.5 games is minus 120. 
And if you want to go for plus money, Djokovic minus eight and a half is plus 125. Now to go through just the quick head-to-head, they have played once in their careers. They played in the ATP Finals in 2021, and Djokovic won on hard court 6-2-6-1. Now Nori props from for making it this far. He has had a couple of three setters and a couple of five setters mixed in there. Djokovic has been on the court for a decent amount of time. He's had a couple of four sets. He had one five set in the final round. Do you think Nori can actually make this competitive, or do you think that Djokovic just wins 6-4, 6-3, 6-2? What do you mean by competitive? You mean that Cameron Nori takes a set off him, or do you mean that he can get to a tiebreaker in one set? Let's Let's start off with the basics. Can he get to five games in a single set? And then we'll go from there. So looking at it initially, I would say, you know, it's definitely possible that he could go, he could hit a five games in one of the sets. Uh, you know, just Djokovic just went five against center, which uh, not many people expected. But then I look at the odds and I see the number minus 1600. And I think, what the hell is happening here? I mean, they're expecting a complete domination of Nori. They're tempting you to take that over the plus on the, on, Nor- on Nori. And, you know, I would agree with it when you come to looking at the past of uh, past performances by Djokovic. Obviously, besides Kwan, he dominated the rest of them. But you should take a look at the matches by Sinner, uh, a high-class player just like Nori. He also dropped go, the set to Van Rithoven, though. Oh, right. That's right. True. And and you have a guy like Nori, and uh, you think maybe he could take you could uh, take the plus seven and a half here, um, and hopefully hopefully does win five games or maybe go to a tie break and have a good chance of covering that spread. But like I said before, you see a minus sixteen hundred, and uh, you're a little skeptical about that. What do you think? Ah, uh, it's really tough because you know that Djokovic thrives on being the quote unquote enemy, and you know the entire crowd's going to root for Nori because. I'm assuming the majority of the crowd is going to be from the UK. So mm-hmm. Nori should have a huge home court advantage, which might work against them because Djokovic doesn't give a damn. <laughs> Djokovic is just in there for blood. So I don't know if it's going to matter. But Djokovic, of course, has a gear that Nori doesn't have. But Nori has been undervalued the entire tournament. I took him to win the quarter at 8-1 to one because I did think there was some holes in that quarter. And Nori overall looked very good throughout. Ah, uh, it's really tough when Djokovic killed him in the previous match at the end of last year in the ATP Finals. 6-2-6-1 on hard court is just such a <laughs> destruction. And now they're playing on grass. The real argument, if you're going to take an over, do you think Nori can win a set? That's really the argument that you're going to have because if it goes three, I'm assuming Djokovic will win one set 6-2 because Nori's not a great server by any means. Right. It's really, it's really, really tough on what to do with this overall match. It's it's interesting because a center and Nori, they're kind of at the same level of tier for t- uh, tennis players right now. Based on ranking, that's a fair comparison. I mean, yeah, and he was a minus nine hundred money line favorite, Djokovic, and then he goes into playing Nori in semifinal in Nori's hometown, and now it's minus sixteen hundred. What's going on here? I mean, it, well, the main it, argument there is that Sinner had the tougher competition because Sinner ended up beating Alcaraz, and Alcaraz, of course, was the up-and-coming second option pre-tournament for that quarter. You look at Nori; he beat Andujar, he beat Munar, he beat Steve Johnson, he beat Tommy Paul, and he beat Golfin. 
he really has not played anybody worth a damn. No offense to Golfin. I know that he had a great run in Wimbledon, but he was a former top 10 player. That was, that was several years ago. Tommy Paul is a recently ranked player, but I mean, if the best person you faced up to this point is Golfin, there are some question marks about your overall strength of schedule. Uh, yeah, that, that's fair enough strength of schedule. But when you look at the actual player himself, a 12th ranked player in the world right now. Oh, in his oh he's extremely underrated. There's I mean, no way around it. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, you just look at the player and it's it's, it's comparable to Sinner in terms of level tier of uh, a player in, in tennis yeah, right, right now. now. So, I mean, I just look at that minus 1600 and think something sketchy is going on here. Is Djokovic going to absolutely destroy him? Um, but yeah, logically, I actually think that, yeah, Nori has a chance to take a set here. Nori has a chance that, that, to hit that plus 7.5 and cash that 7.5 if you go 6-3, 6-4, 6-4, something like that. Djokovic could hit a 6-2 set in there, but Nori could also go to a tiebreak one set. It, it, it's tough to say. Yeah, but is there any one player looking at for this overall matchup? Are you going to be taking, for example, Nori to win a set at around plus 140? Do you like Nori plus the 7.5? Do you like the over? Do you have any thoughts on your favorite play, so to speak, in this match? Uh, I, I'm going to lean over to the plus 7.5 in Nori. We've seen Djokovic go off when he needs to. What about the, what about the matches when he's you know not going to five sets and not, not hitting the stride of, I need to win this match? Uh, I think he could he could take it to a tie break a few a few sets maybe one or two even sets and I think he could stay in there uh, for long enough where he could cover that plus seven and a half and it doesn't completely de- become a Djokovic annihilation. Yeah, I think one bet I'm tempted by is the under half a tie break, so no tiebreakers at minus one forty five. I think that's interesting. Now Nori can maybe find a way to push one to a breaker, but I'm expecting a bunch of breaks to serve. Even Djokovic, who is arguably the best player of all time, is not exactly known for being an amazing server per se. I think Nori can do some damage in some service games. You know Djokovic is going to do a bunch of damage in a bunch of service games for Nori. What do you think? Do you have any thoughts on potentially taking no tiebreak at minus 140, or do you personally prefer or would you only consider taking that if it was like minus 120? Uh, no, no, I actually like that like that prop a lot. When you look at the recent uh, recent games that Djokovic played and Nori played, Djokovic hasn't gone to a tiebreak this entire tournament, and Nori has gone to one of them. So I actually like that a lot when you consider both of these players, both of them not tremendous servers at all. They're really rallying players, uh, which means that a couple breaks can happen here or there, and uh, I, I like that prop a lot, actually. Yep. Well, that was kind of one that jumped off the page for me. So that's why I thought about mentioning it. But now we got to transition to the circus match because nobody knows what the hell's going going to go on in the second match. Even if you're from the UK, I'm sure you know deep down Djokovic is probably going to win. So I don't feel like that's really worth fully diving into on what Nori can do to upset Djokovic. He needs Djokovic to have a terrible game or a terrible match, and he needs to have the best match of his life. This Nadal-Kyrgios matchup can go either way because we know when healthy, Nadal would easily be favored and most people would pick him because you'd figure Kyrgios at some point would self-destruct. Nadal would hit too many shots in play. He would battle. He'd find ways to end up winning sets and tie breaks or whatever, and Kyrgios might chuck a racket or two. However, 
the line opened up after Nadal's five-set win against Fritz. Kyrgios cruised to a nice, easy straight-set win against Garin. Kyrgios is favored at around minus 145. It's been bet up to minus 155 or even minus 160 in some spots. And to address the reason why, because Nadal does own the head-to-head three, uh, six to three, Nadal was looking at his family in the box in the middle of the Fritz match. He took a couple injury timeouts. In addition to the leg issue, he also has an abdomen issue, which plagued him in the middle of the third set. He battled anyway. He won the fourth set and the fifth set. He said in the post-match press conference that he's not sure if he'll be able to even play in this match. Realistically, I think we both know Nadal's going to show up because it's the semifinals of Wimbledon. The only question is, is he healthy enough to actually break enough of Kyrgios's service games to potentially survive another marathon? And I'll tell you right now, I'm actually leaning to Kyrgios. You? Um, I mean, with what's happening now, if we're talking money line bets, uh, I would also lean to Kyrgios because of the chance of the Nadal withdraw, uh, withdrawing from the match in the middle. So it, it makes sense when it comes to the money line because, you know, after a couple of books have the rule after the first set's played, uh, all, bet, all bets stand. So you don't want the Nadal money line to happen and then he withdraws from the match and then you get screwed uh, on, on, your, on your plays there. Um, but this is something that is kind of unique, but also not unique at all. I mean, you see players in tennis all the time say that they're not, they're not feeling well or they're injured or hurt and they play right through it. Just like Nadal just did in, in, uh, the French open where his leg was, you know, allegedly numb when he won 11 <laughs> straight games against the top three player in the world. But the point yeah. is he's been battling some ailments for a couple of months. Right, yeah, he had numbness in his leg. But the thing is that's kind of that's unique now is I've never seen somebody's family tell them to stop playing, or I've never seen Nadal or Kier- or uh, Djokovic or any of those big guys uh, where his family is now saying, "Yeah, it's time, it's it's time to stop here. You're you're killing yourself." So it's really a mystery of how badly he's really hurt. Um, it's you never know because you can have Rafa who decides that he's not hurt anymore and he can finally play. It takes a couple of cortisone shots. He's perfectly fine. And, you know, he'll, he'll bother Kyrgios so much because of how he plays and keeps the ball in play. And, you know, the feud between Kyrgios and Nadal and Nadal taking so much for his serve because he has to go through his routines. So uh, when it comes to the money line, though, when it comes to betting uh, money line Kyrgios for sure because of the withdrawal factor. But uh, if we're talking sports, Spreads. I think I got to go Nadal here. Nadal is going to be able to break him, I think, a few times. Kyrgios has been able to serve very well, but uh, Nadal is the kind of guy that's able to get these breaks. And if Kyrgios decides to punt a set because Nadal uh, is taking up too much time and he, you know, he's he's very quick to just drop sets and decide, you know, the set's over. I don't care. Six, one, the other guy, I'm going to come back next set. Uh, it spreads. I'm going, I'm going over with Rafa on this one. Yeah. And just to clarify the difference there for spreads, if there is a mid match retirement, it's a refund. So if you want to take Nadal, I personally think you're better off on the spread 
because if he ends up withdrawing mid-match, as you said before, spreads get refunded. Most books grade Nadal as a loser on the money line as long as one full set is completed. Now, it depends on which book you use. You got to read your house rules when it comes to tennis because some books might try to scheme you and they'll just say if the match is not fully completed, then everything's a wash. But keep that in mind when you're betting on tennis matches. Try to see what your house rules are for your respective book. But for the actual money line here, I really just think that Kyrgios is the play. If you wanted to make a play on Nadal, the truth is you really should not even take him on the money line in this match. Take him to win the tournament. And not because I think he's got a shot to beat Djokovic, but because Nadal is now 9-1 to to win the tournament. So I don't know what odds you think he would be against Djokovic while being banged up. Based on reputation, I'm assuming Nadal would not be higher than plus 350. Even even injured, just based on reputation. Uh, um, yeah, I could say around there, four hundred. But you're considering here that you're going to hedge in the final, right? Is that is that what you're getting yeah. at? All I know is earlier this afternoon, when the lines first were posted, Nadal and Kyrgios were both six to one to win the actual tournament, and Nadal went to nine to one. Now, once again, that could be because even if Nadal beats Kyrgios. He's physically going to be cooked, and he's either going to retire or Djokovic is going to kick his ass. I think we both agree Nadal most likely is not going to beat Djokovic even when he's fully healthy on grass. But with the injury, Djokovic should kill him. So my argument is, do you think you're better off taking plus 125 or taking 9-1 to one and then hedging right before the final? Yeah, I mean that's what that's what if you were going to go that path, it would be it would be to take that future and then hedge in the final and be able to um, take some take some money there. Uh, but if you're coming with this actual match, it's it's either the spread or nothing when it comes to Nadal, right? Yeah, that's how I feel. Uh, Kyrgios could punt the set once again, but even if he punts the set, he still might win the match. You know, Kyrgios is going to throw in a bunch of drop shots, maybe some underhand serves, anything to make Nadal move. And the issue that Fritz ran into, he got really too complacent in the rallies, really just behind the baseline. And when Nadal was injured, he really didn't do much to force Nadal to move, not just side to side, but to move forward. And I feel like Kyrgios will be able to do that. Plus, Kyrgios can sprinkle in a bit of serve and volley, which might limit the actual length of points, which should hurt Nadal's chances. I don't want to count out Nadal because, of course, he is known for overcoming some physical obstacles in the past. But I'm going to treat this like the same way we treated the hot dog eating contest over the weekend. I'm just going to fade the injured player. And I know both of us had Chestnut under 74 and a half because he was injured. But I'm kind of half joking, but the idea is there. I know Nadal is compromised. And Kyrgios had the shoulder issue briefly, but he won in straight sets yesterday. We know Kyrgios is a top five server on the tour. I'm going to go with Kyrgios on the money line. For me, it's really weird, especially when money pours in on Kyrgios. You see Nadal open up as a dog, and you just assume people are going to slam Nadal. doesn't even matter what the injury status is, but the public's going to be all over Nadal. The fact that the line has already moved about 20 cents in favor of Kyrgios makes me believe that either sharp betters or syndicates or all of the above, just unloaded the truck on Kyrgios. So I'm going to go with Kyrgios' money line. Is uh, that fair enough. Nadal taking Nadal? 
I'm sorry? The line movement, does that concern you at all if you wanted to take Nadal money line? Because this definitely feels like sharp money. Uh, it, it really doesn't concern me because I understand the injury factor and that's what they're probably all over. It's probably all over because of Nadal. Uh, the betting on Kyrgios is probably all, they're all over on him because of Nadal's injury. But we've seen so many times in the past where these veteran tennis players say that they're hurt or they have a wrist problem or the leg problem and they just push through the entire match. Mm-hmm. So if you're confident on Nadal to win this match, I wouldn't get scared off by getting a better price, being able to get a better price because um, it's the the odds are getting lower and lower for him. But think- uh, the, I just want to clarify the reason that I say that you should take the spread instead of the money line. Um, is because the spread, it's not like basketball or baseball where they pretty much have to win, win the games in order to cover, cover the spread if, they, if they're favored. In, and by spread, the spread's completely different in tennis where if you just count up all the games in, in the entire match, that's where, you have to, that's where you calculate the spread. It has nothing to do with actually winning, winning the match at all. It's only when it comes to the actual games that are played. Yep. So you can lose the match and still cover um, even though – you lost. Basically, what, what you're trying to say, just for some of the people at home, is that you can have one outlier set in favor of your player, and he could lose a couple of tie breaks, but if he wins one set 6-2, he's going to cover the spread anyway. Right, exactly. So that's your main point. I get it. I guess one final question I'll have on this matchup because of the uncertainty regarding Dahl's health. Do you think you're better off? Let's just say, no matter what we said about this match, some people want to take Nadal anyway on the money line. Do you think you're better off taking it now or taking it at some point mid-match? Because I'm assuming Nadal will take at least one injury timeout during the course of this match, and the live betting is going to turn into a frenzy. I think we agree, even if Nadal wins, it will not be in straight sets. Right. Do you think you just find a much better line live because of Nadal's injury and how he might be reacting to it mid-match? Yeah, I, I think that's a it's a pretty valid point. As soon as people see that Rafa's pulling out the trainer, the, the odds can go flying the other way. Uh, you have to be there's someone who plays pays close attention to that though. If you're somebody that's watching the match and is excited about the match, you could sure sure pay attention to that. If you're someone who obviously is uh, is not watching the match and wants yeah. to just place the bet and just keep track of it over time, you're not able to do that. But yeah, I think I think you're right about that. You might be able to find a better money line if you're keeping track of the if you're watching the match and really really keeping close track of it and um seeing the line movements happen in live time but this is a match that's very very exciting i highly highly recommend it there's a lot of beef between these two players as well kirgios complains a lot about rafa's play style and him taking his time and being able to take breaks because referees kind of allow him to do it. He has a little more leeway than other players because of for, who for he is. For the record, by the way, even if you like Nadal, Kyrgios is right. Nadal <laughs> takes more time on the surface clock than anyone I've ever seen, and he'll never get a time violation. It just doesn't happen. So I do think Kyrgios makes some points. Plus, Kyrgios is the fastest server on tour, not based on speed, but based on the lack of time in between points. So mm-hmm. Kyrgios wants to just keep the tempo. Nadal wants to kill the tempo. And we'll see if that leads to some type of issue over the course of the match. But I'm trying to keep it realistic. With Nadal on the money line, I really don't see any value. Because I do think, if you want to be realistic about the match, if Kyrgios wins the first set, which is feasible, 
Mm-hmm. What's in the doll? Sure. Plus two twenty, plus two fifty. Yeah, it could go. It could go flying. Yeah, plus two fifty. I think is fair, which is a crazy number that you could get compared to what you're getting pre-match. So, so I don't yeah, see value on one twenty-five with an injured player. I, no, I know Nadal's arguably the greatest of all time, but I really think you can get better lines in play. Yeah, you you de- you probably can. You, yeah, you're absolutely right about that. That's why I'm I I like the spread. If you if you like anything on Nadal, I'd say go for the spread. I don't think you really should go for the money line. But there'll be a, there'll be drama in this match. It'll be fun to see how they treat each other in the match and after the match. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, I I am tempted by one thing. If you want to take Nadal to potentially. Which I, this is kind of what I find weird for Nadal to win the match. He's plus one twenty-five, but for him to not win two sets, so to lose in either three sets or four sets, he's minus one hundred five. Does that make much sense? That's for him not to win two sets, right? Yeah, minus one hundred five there for the no. Right. Um, that's a, it, they're 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 calculating the fact that he's he's injured here. Uh, I mean, it doesn't really make any sense when you compare it to the money lines. That's, but... that's what I'm trying to say, because if you want to compare Nadal plus one and a half sets is minus 140. That's basically what I'm saying. And of course, if he withdraws, you get your money back anyway. But do you think Nadal, if he loses, do you expect a war or do you think he's more likely to get shelled if he's going to lose? Uh, I think if it, I think it actually will be a war unless unless he's uh, like going to drop out. If he, I think if he drops out, we're going to see like a, a significant score over on Kyrgios' side before he decides to drop out. Yeah. Unless of course, like he literally tears his tendons or something. If, if he drops, his leg, but if he drops, he's down at least a set and a break. If he ends yeah. up dropping out, right? Exactly. So if he's dropping, I think that he he drops hard. Basically, Kyrgios. Yeah probably dominating him at the match at that point otherwise i think it will be a war and they'll fin- be he'll be able to finish the match it's just what he does yep that uh, kind of sounds like we're on the same page there once again uh nadal spread if you are going to play that angle because you have the built-in insurance policy with the spread of a withdrawal being a refund money line not so much so i do like kirigios on the money line i think that it makes sense to fade the injured player and see if nadal can keep it together for another uh, full potential, I'd say, five sets, or we'll see. But it's also worth mentioning that Djokovic has an extra day off uh, against Nori because they played on uh, Tuesday, where on Wednesday you had Nadal Fritz. Mm -hmm. So you have one less day of recovery for Nadal in comparison to Djokovic. So the five sets are going to be... Yeah, the five-set recovery is going to be a lot worse for Nadal, especially with the injury, than for Djokovic because he had an extra day. Right, but both of these matches are being played on Friday. Yeah, so that's the point I'm trying to make. But either way, uh, we're going to take a quick break before getting into our favorite plays for the actual episode. But we're going to take a quick word from our sponsor. SGPN also just relaunched its merch store. Tons of awesome gear from your favorite SGPN shows. Just go to store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com. That's store.sportsgamblingpodcast.com. 
We're also brought to you by Dave. We've all been in a situation at some point in our lives where we were a little bit tight on cash. Maybe you can only afford to put a few gallons of gas in your tank, or maybe you got another save the date and you're wondering how you're going to afford a gift. That is where Dave can help you. Dave is the banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. That's more money to fill your tank, buy a wedding gift, or catch up on bills. Download the Dave app from the App Store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve, member FDI. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode does not actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away all your private information to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IP Vanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IP Vanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. That means all your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IP Vanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing speed, on computers, tablets, phones, even fire stick devices while streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IP Vanish. Plus, IP Vanish has a great deal in place. It's offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee that's just like getting nine months absolutely free. IP Vanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com slash SGP and use promotional code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's ipvanish.com slash SGP. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. We've been a little bit cold to start the actual podcast, but it's cool. You know, long way to go. It's only our third episode. So starting off with your favorite play, the lock. Sam, what are you going to go with? All right, I'm going to go off off the uh, off the reserve here and go for the women's side, and just I'm going to go against you here, and I think Halep is able to dominate the match. We've seen her dominate every single match so so far. She hasn't dropped a set. She's covered the spread in every single one of the matches besides one. She's covered the spread in the previous tournament besides the first round. Uh, I'm going with Halep minus four and a half in this match. I think we'll see clear the clear differences in skill, especially because it's on grass between Rybakina and Halep. And I think Halep will move on as well to win the entire tournament. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Halep, of course, should win the match. I think it might go three, but... Fair enough. I I think okay, I respect that. It's nice, to, it's nice <laughs> to have a little bit of a disagreement on the show every Absolutely. now and then. Absolutely, can't agree more. But for your dog, there's not many attractive options, but is there anyone that sticks out to you that you like for the value? Uh, for value, I got to go Nadal. I got to go Nadal here. He's he's time-tested. He's an absolute veteran. Everyone knows it off on Nadal. Well, you say uh, Nadal f- for what? What, what do you Nadal, like? on, Nadal plus, uh, plus on the spread at plus one and a half or plus a half. 
Um, you know, he's time tested. You don't have to worry about the withdraw factor. Um, if, if he does withdraw, then you get your money back. Uh, uh, well, actually, it's a plus a half because I'm taking a dog at plus 120. So um, I was going to say, I seen a dollar plus one and a half at around minus 105. I'm uh, sure you can find it at even money somewhere. I okay, see it here. I'll count it. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you <laughs> plus one and a half guys. Uh, no, not plus one and a half, plus a half. No, I'm saying I, I found one and a half games at minus 105. You can probably find it somewhere at even money. Oh, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. give you the one and a half if you want it. No, I don't want the one and a half. I want oh, you just a want half. the half? Okay, fair enough. Yeah, give me the plus a half. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know. I was trying to give I'm you gonna, like a I'm going to get a plus way. money here. Okay. Now I'm going to get the underdog bet. Uh, I have nothing. I don't, I can't take the money line here because of the withdrawal factor. So I can't take a real dog money line play here but the you have the plus a half where you don't have to worry about the withdrawals and the uh, curios can punt any type of set especially against Rafa Nadal that has they have drama together and you know he takes his time so uh, I think Rafa Nadal plus a half at plus money good play yeah I think that we kind of covered that match as deeply as we possibly could because there's a ton of variables and let's be real i think everyone finds that matchup more unpredictable than the djokovic nori match no offense to nori but for my lock a uh, couple of choices here but i am going to go with a prop i'm going to take djokovic and i'm going to take nori no tiebreaker at minus 145 and of course you could have a moment where both players end up breaking at 5-4 where you're serving for the set or something weird. But Djokovic is in the semifinals of Wimbledon, and he's been in zero tie breaks. And he's had a couple of four-set matches, a couple of a five, he had one five-set match. He's only had one 7-5 set as well. So most of Djokovic's matches are 6-4 or lower. And even if you want to just go back to... The French Open, he lost 7-6 against Nadal in the final set of his tournament, and he won the second uh, round final set against Molkan. But besides that, you can go through all the sets. Uh, nine of the ten after that Molkan final set was not a tiebreak. And then he had four sets in the first round, three in the second and third round, four in the fourth round, and five in the quarters. And if you're doing the math really quickly, that gets you to about 19 sets in Wimbledon and no tie breaks. And Nori had one tie break against Andujar in the middle set. And since then, he has had a nada. So you're going to give me minus 145 for two guys that really don't go to breakers that often. And we know Djokovic is capable of breaking Nori, what, like two times a set? Like, I don't think anyone would really be surprised if Djokovic broke him twice per set. No, I like I I like that play a lot also because of the capability of Joker to win this match three nothing. So yep. that would that would limit the amount of sets that have to be played. So you get a better better chance of hitting that no tie breaks. Of course, the one potential cooler would be the changing of the rule in Wimbledon a couple of years ago, where if you get to a fifth set, then you still might get screwed because they used to never have a tiebreaker in the fifth. But now, of course, they have that, so you could lose in the fifth. But I think everyone's expecting a very short match between Djokovic and Nori. Maybe Nori takes one, but if, I think it's going to be mostly six threes and six fours in this match. So give me no tie break at around minus 145. And for my dog, which is very, very tricky for this one, 
I am going to go with uh, what do I want to go with. This is really, really tough. Uh, I'm re- I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of torn you on. You got one. everyone with huge money lines, and then except that's what I'm saying. And I like the people match. with the money lines. I thought Halop to win in three was a decent price, but I mean, I don't know how realistic that actually is. Do I think Kyrgios wins in four? Probably, but do I want to take like even money at minus one and a half? Not really. You know what about going against me in the sets set spread of Rybakina? No, that's what I'm saying. That's really the only option I have, isn't it? I, I really don't see many other options unless I go for some money line parlay. But actually, that might be an option. Uh, let, let me see. Let me just see if I could pull this up really quickly. Sorry, kind of scrambling at the last minute here. But if I end up parlaying these two. Okay, that actually is plus money. All right, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Hal money line, parlayed with Kyrgios money line, and that pays out a roughly plus one fifteen. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. I'll give it to you. So at the end of the day, I once again made a case for Hal in three. I think we both just agree she's gonna win the match, so I'm not gonna get cute with it. But I'll take the retirement angle for Nadal, and I will go with Kyrgios money line and Hal money line. Give me plus money on that two pick. But that's going to be it for this uh, actual episode. We'll be back for the final of the men's side. Uh, besides that, Sam, anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Yeah, these are exciting matches. Uh, you got the semifinals. You got the draw between Kyrgios and Nadal, which we hammered home. But you have a, a potential Djokovic, you know, domination, which would be also nice to see. Um, or you know, it could it could be close. Uh, it, but we're it's, biased. It's, it's really fun when it comes we're, to the, we're biased. the semifinals. We got money on Joker. We're we're biased. Like we have money on him to win the tournament. So we're we're rooting for Joker. We're not going to try to camouflage that. Uh, I mean, I'm not biased. That I got the goat winning yeah. it. So, I mean. It, is what it is i'm sorry but uh these semifinal matches they're very fun they're very exciting you get you could watch them you hear the crowd go crazy at all points especially when you have like i said the curious nadal match and then you have nori who's a hometown guy so should be very exciting to watch yep uh definitely feel the same way but you can find me on twitter at rice radio r-e-i-c-h-e-o radio besides that still doing some NBA gambling podcast episodes. I might be guest appearing on the MLB gambling podcast, so stay tuned for that. A lot of sports going on, and I'm looking forward to covering it. But thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in a couple of days. Bye, everyone. All right, see ya.